You may not belong now, um, but someday you will. Welcome to an episode of Find Your Voice, a movement led by yours truly, Aaron Dew, a guy who has overcome crippling anxiety, adversity, and difficulty like so many of you in life, whose main goal now is to help you combat your excuses, take control of your life, write your own story, and most importantly, find your voice. So now, without further ado, I welcome the host of the show himself, Mr. Aaron Dew. Okay, I would like to welcome Joshua onto today's episode of Find Your Voice. Joshua, how are we doing today? Doing great, man. How are you? I'm very well, very well, thank you. It's nice and early here, actually. So I did a bit of exercise in the morning, got a bit of sunlight into my skin, and I'm actually feeling pretty good, to be honest. But I'm really interested in connecting with you. So I think the best thing for where we are right now is for you to let the listeners know a little bit about yourself. Tell us maybe a little bit how you grew up and definitely talk about some of the exciting stuff that you're doing today as well because I know you've overcome a lot of your own adversities and you've got a very very exciting music project as well so over to you my friend um yep so my name is Josh um and uh, essentially I'm really just here to to talk about some of the struggles I've had with you know anxiety and uh, compulsiveness and things like being misunderstood and um you know how that's kind of followed me throughout my life and what I've done to kind of combat that or you know create new habits from that and um one of the things that's always kind of, you know, stuck with me uh, is is music. So so I am a musician and uh, I do have a, a sort of a music artist project that I've been pouring into uh, as it relates to those things in my past and, you know, kind of current situations. And, uh, you know, I'm just kind of here to, here to share that today. So music, we spoke about this was my release. Along with the gym, I find music definitely helps my anxiety. So when I'm in a, a bit of a funk, which is what I always say and what the listeners will probably relate to. I have certain tracks or certain types of music that instantly put me in a very, very good mood. And one of my desires or regrets in life was never learning an instrument, which is why we spoke offline. I'm actually trying to learn a guitar because there is something so therapeutic about that. Now, I know you've also used music to kind of translate your messages as well. And you've had quite a journey with your music career as well. So initially you started because it was something that you just love to do and then you kind of found your way almost looking for the engagement and looking for the likes should we say just as an analogy and now you've kind of come back around circles so would you kind of let the listeners know a little bit about that side of you if you wouldn't mind sure yeah so you know and I know it's um you know as you say that about music I know people feel that way and you know it's helped many people to overcome different things and it it helps people in different ways Um, for me it's always been kind of the way that you know, that I've kind of navigated the different darknesses in my life from, you know, early life traumas to, to all the way up to today. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's been the, the thing that I can always go back to, to, as you, you say, release some of that anxiety, release some of that pressure, but also much, much more than that, it kind of, you know, always kept me kind of hanging on to uh, just a, a potential future, you know, and um, so it was always that for me. Yeah, so I do, I do play music for a living today, um, not with this particular project. This is more of a passion project, um, you know, but um, along the way, um, I've done different things. Uh, that's given me great opportunities, but I've also learned by doing those things um, that I was trying to be somebody that appealed to others. For example, um, I would play for other musical artists um, as sort of like a side man to reach the masses or reach the the people that they may have been reaching and as I would do those things uh, you know years of touring and those types of experiences they 
they just weren't what I, I thought they would be. And I had a lot of great experiences uh, opening for some great acts along the way. Um, but it's like, it just never spoke to me the same way that music spoke to me early on. Um, and although I had pursued other projects via my own songwriting, it's like I just never quite found the way that music was for me in the beginning. Um, and so I've been trying to rewind and get back to that place to write music that spoke to me the way that music spoke to me when I was very young. And that's that's been my goal over the last about a year and a half or so. And since I've started to cultivate this project. I think that's a really, really important lesson. And I think we're in a society today, especially in the last, I'd say, maybe six to eight years when social media really started to take off. So from your Instagrams to your Snapchats to your Facebooks, I was very fortunate. I grew up at university without any of the social media life. So when we used to go out, we were very present. We weren't on our phones taking a whole Snapchat reel of the whole experience. And again, with that came a lot of less external pressures, if that makes sense. Whereas now it's kind of like you're always trying to conform to what society wants or expects from you. And in a way, without you even knowing sometimes subconsciously, you've moved away from the things that actually inspired you or filled you up, for example. So I'm talking about people now who may be posting on Instagram. What people tend to do is they post the thing that they believe will get them the most likes. And I think that's a very, very dangerous place to come from because effectively then you're just becoming a product of this app and you're not becoming your true self. And if you look at any of my stories, so I've never really niched down into anything. It's just a little bit about my life. You'll see food on there. You'll see me drunk. You'll see some fitness tips. It's, It's very just me. But my thought process of using the tool and I use the tool. I don't let the tool use me is that this is just a documentation of my life where I can look back sometimes and be like, oh, I remember when I used to do this or I remember when I used to do this. And I like to storytell a lot. And I always encourage people to just speak what's in their heart and find what really inspires them. And this is when we spoke earlier. You had that with music, but you almost lost it. And I'm so glad now you've kind of found that back. Yes, it's great. I can only imagine how amazing it would be to be an act or alongside some of the stars that you've worked with. And I'd love to hear some of those names as well. But I guarantee you in terms of just general happiness and especially for somebody like myself and I know you suffer with anxiety and just trying to get our mental state right, it's so much better when we're just authentically ourselves. And this is something that I preach in Find Your Voice. You know, this is your voice. That's the most important word in the title, I Find Your Voice. So give us some names anyway, just so people can really put it into perspective that what they're chasing or this end desire or this thing that they think is going to make them happy may not necessarily make them happy. I agree. So, so what you mentioned about social media, I feel like is important because uh, I think what people may forget, um, you know, it's like using Google or something like that. It's such a free service that we assume that, you know, it's there just to serve us. And, you know, many times it is there to help us. And certainly it's useful to have those tools. Um, but the truth is, is that social media is, you know, owned by people who have their own agendas and their own kind of you know, directions for things. And so if you're not careful to use it in the way, like you said, that it kind of speaks to you and help you, helps you speak to others, um, you might get caught up just in kind of the rat race of, of as you mentioned, the, the, the engagements and the likes and things like that. But the truth is, is I feel like social media is really the most important, the most valuable when you're able to meet people like yourself, you know? And so, I mean, I found you through social media and um, I, I'm really glad that I was able to do that. And because of that, we can have this conversation that is a good thing, is a healthy thing, but it has come from social media. So it's like, I feel like the best use of that is to take it and tailor into something that can be positive, 
and use it as your way to speak to people, you know, across the world. So, I mean, you and I are in totally different parts of the world and, and we've become, you know, uh, you know, surface level friends so far and we can Absolutely. kind of have these conversations. I love it. You know, it's a great thing. Um, so speaking to the music stuff, you know, so my, my biggest, I guess, um, accomplishments to, to write down and to, um, as I mentioned before to you, as to, to name drop, I really don't like to name drop because I feel like you can, you, you kind of hold yourself up to your experiences and they make you valuable, much like a like on a, you know, social media or something. But the truth is, is it's still an experience, you know, so um, for me, I uh, mainly had my, my larger successes, I guess you could say, working with um, uh, artists from like the different voice competitions. So like, uh, the Voice, um, uh, American Idol, those types of things, and I, I wasn't necessarily seeking those people out, but I just ended up with them, and, and I played uh, a guitar for some of them, bass guitar for some of them, and uh, with one of them in particular, we did a lot of touring, and with that artist, I got to, as I mentioned earlier, open up for some acts, and some of those acts were, uh, you know, like Blake Shelton, uh, Miranda Lambert, those types of uh, larger, maybe country artists, and and uh, the the music wasn't really an issue for me. It was just the, you know, I uh, uh, I was married, I still am married, and um, the the touring. It's just I didn't feel I didn't feel um, I guess productive. It didn't feel like it was the right thing for me to do. Even though there was all these great things happening, and you know, it was a good opportunity. Uh, I just remember early in my life, music was such this anchor for for really for sadness, you know. And um, I, I I always thought to myself. Why am I trying to, I guess, sell myself into this field of a particular aspect of, of that I don't really believe in, that I don't really attach myself to? And now that I'm in my 30s, I'm able to understand that life is a is a process. And the truth is, is that there is the only end that we have is death. <laughs> That's the only end. So there's nothing to look forward to outside of the process itself you know just going through life and trying to experience things that you can you know just kind of fasten into yourself and um so i realized that and now that i have a family and i, I want to do music in the way that uh, i believed in very early on and that it helped me very early on so maybe i could help other people uh, in that same way and um and that's that's why i've tried to get back to that I love that. I love that. So there's a few things you mentioned there. I just want to take it back to the start of that answer was we've been very fortunate now to have met. And again, this is why I preach this so much. I've been so fortunate to have met some of the most amazing people on this journey, but it had to come from me thinking, what do I want to speak about on social media? Who is the person that when people click on it, that they see there and then? Now I work in property and I work in real estate. And effectively, there are a lot of people who just constantly speak about that. Now, for me, that's just my job and that pays the bills. I don't want to be just known as somebody who is the property guy because then the only conversations I have are going to be most likely related around property and bricks and mortar, which don't excite me in the slightest. Whereas I like real meaningful conversations where I get to know someone and I feel my own journey in the last 17 months on Find Your Voice has gone like this because every time I listen to someone, I always learn something. There's always something I can take away from that individual, a different perspective, a tool, a resource or something like a habit that can really move me forward. And that's what I love. And that's, if you look at my journey throughout my social media, it's just been growth and I love growth. I love being proved wrong. I never used to, but now I love it. Like I love always trying to grow. So that's one of the main reasons that I encourage people that if you want to spend your life being happy and excited, like I get excited for conversations like this then you need to start being yourself otherwise you're going to have conversations about the stuff that you're posting when you don't ever want to be posting it 
in the first instance. The second thing I want to move on to, which is a little bit, maybe, I don't want to use the word sinister, but you mentioned a few times an anchor for sadness and you said your darkness through your music is is expressed. Could you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, yeah, I would love to discuss that. Um, So uh, as we mentioned in the beginning, I have, you know, different issues with anxiety and compulsiveness and, uh, you know, I have a a very, uh, a lot of obsessive traits about myself and um, really, that all comes, you know, in part from from a more unstable, unstable, more unsettled kind of upbringing. Um, you know, I had a, a different, I guess, ups and downs throughout my early life, and um, uh, many of that came from, you know, things that were going on in my household at the time. Um, um, to give a little bit of background, um, you know, so from the beginning, uh, I've never actually met my biological father, and um, although I didn't realize that until later on, um, you know, I feel like the the kind of the mark of abandonment was was there just from the very beginning, whether I knew it or not. Um, and, and as I learned that, you know, that was, uh, became more and more obvious. But, you know, throughout my life, um, my, my parents, um, you know, my adopted father and my mother, uh, they, they were divorced and uh, they have both been married uh, a couple of times. And, you know, so I had a lot, many step parents and um, uh, I moved around a lot. Um, so I went to about eight different schools growing up, which was difficult. Um, it, you know, it, it, it got to the point to where, you know, um, I was, I was making these friends at these, these schools. And of course I'd be kind of uprooted from that. So it's like, as an early, as a young person, it's like, I never fully got to understand the value of having a friendship and kind of that companionship for the long term. So of course I wanted those things, but because of that, it made it very difficult for me as I got older to sustain friendships and to sustain um, you know, healthy relationships that I did kind of find, you know, and um, even to this day, you know, it's um, kind of a lone wolf. And, uh, you know, I'm very devoted to my family, my, my wife and my, my daughter. Um, and I, I do love my friends, but I, I told my wife one day, I'm just, it's like, for whatever reason, because of those early things, it's like, I can't convince myself to value friendship the way that I think many people do. Um, and, um, and, it, and it can be sad, you know, but um it just, it comes from those things, you know, um, uh, I have a, a lot of social anxiety, you know, um, uh, and, and all of those, those things have made music for me very early on as the, as I mentioned, the, the anchor for me to kind of keep myself grounded, you know, so I, I, I said earlier, it's kind of, it can be cliche, you know, and I hate that because the truth is just for me, it was never a cliche. Music literally was the thing that allowed me to keep my composure um, these bands and these artists would pour themselves into these songs and I would just latch on to them. I would hear these these truths that they were, you know, they were they were communicating and these emotions. And it made me know that even though things may not feel right right now, you know, and things may be kind of tough and I can't control these things, there is there must be hope outside of this because here it is documented here. And that's what music had always been for me. And I thought myself a fool and um, really very, uh, I guess, not doing it justice to not create it in the way that it helped me in my most trying times, you know. I want to ask you a personal question then. Are you enough without your music? If you were never allowed to do music again and you were never able to create or listen, would you feel that you as a person, Joshua, as a father, as uh, as a husband, or just actually scrap that as well, just you as a person, how do you feel about yourself? Um, that's a really great question, actually. So the truth is, is that if you asked me this five or six years ago, 
I think I would lie and say that I am myself without music. Um, but in my 30s, I'll be 32 this summer. In my 30s, I, for the first time, really since my daughter being born, I do feel that release from being defined by what I do. Um, I know that it helps me. And it, and it, the truth is, it is a part of me, just like these conversations are a part of you. Um, but it doesn't define my person. And I know that now. Um, you know, things like anxiety, all of those, those darknesses that I had to, you know, kind of combat against to avoid, you know, n- you know, not great outcomes. And um, those things don't define who I am. And even the best things in my life, they don't define me. Those are just experiences that I'm able to, you know, take part in. Um, so the truth is, is that if music were to go today, I would still have that confidence because my, my music is not that confidence. The music is the thing that I can speak that confidence through and speak that grounding through. That's my goal anyway, right? No, that's not my goal. That is what I do with it. That is what music is for me. Um, and so the truth is that, yes, I do feel like I am myself without music. Um, but I didn't always feel that way. <laughs> I love that. And and as a friend, I'm so happy to hear that as well. And we're on this journey. You know, I always speak about find your voice being a journey. You're not going to listen to one podcast and suddenly your life is is fixed. I learn stuff every single day and I still have so much more to learn, which is actually quite exciting for me. But one of the biggest things that I learned myself and my wife is we have this mantra and it's called teamwork makes a dream work. And we're very, very compatible. We're like best friends. We do everything together. And then we was listening to a podcast and it was from another married couple. And they said, if the other person was to die, for example, or was to leave them or they just separated, would there be enough without? And actually what me and my wife said at that point was we'd struggle. Like I would find it so difficult. Fast forward to today though, it's like you're a part of me, a very, very special part of me. I absolutely love everything about you being there. But I also know I have the strength and the love and compassion for myself that I'm enough by myself as well. So God forbid if anything did happen, I'm all right. I can stand on my own two feet. And this is so empowering that you're no longer defined by your marriage or by your job title or because you'd create music or podcasting. Like if podcasting stops tomorrow, I'm still okay. You know, I can still have meaningful conversations with people. I can still try and do my bit for mental health and the show must go on. So it's an important question. That's the reason I wanted to ask you because I feel a lot of people, we attach ourselves to something, especially when we're good at it. So athletes, especially when they're good at something, the moment they finish their career, there's this huge moment of identity crisis. Who am I? You know, what, what am I going to do moving forward? So it's really nice to hear, given the adversities you've come through, the social isolation, anxiety, the compulsiveness, which I just want to touch on very, very shortly, that you've experienced that you're now in such a great place. So just rewinding ever so slightly, compulsiveness, obsessive behaviors. Give us some examples of this. There might be somebody listening who doesn't even recognize that they have these traits. So if there's anybody listening that, that you know, they, they do know me, uh, they, will, they will chuckle at us talking about compulsiveness and obsessiveness. Um, so uh, those things, like I said, in my 30s are much more healthy than they were when I was younger. Um, but the truth is, is that I, um, I am unbelievably obsessive. Um, the, good, the good that comes out of that is I'm able to, I'm, I'm a great learner. Um, I'm very motivated. I'm very self-motivated. I am very resourceful because of that. And um, I can, I can, for, for myself, I can learn just about anything that I want to learn in, in the best, like the most like full way um, that you can, you can learn something because of this, but uh, obsessiveness. Uh, so 
let's talk about, I guess, um, so we've, we've discussed this together, you and I, and I want to share with people, you know, some of the, the fun things of anxiety, the fun parts of anxiety. And, um, you know, so, so some of those things, um, so for example, uh, when I get into my vehicle, I have to kind of click the window, um, uh, the windows to make sure they're up, which they, of course, they're up. I have to click all four of the windows. I have to lock the doors, which the doors would lock automatically anyway, but it's just a, it's just a habit. So I have to click, click, I have to lock. Um, there's even like this child lock that I have to just kind of push, I think just because it's there, you know? Um, and so again, that's kind of maybe fun, um, but that's an obsessiveness about myself. Uh, I have tons of, I'm a list maker. I have tons of lists. Um, I, I, I don't have so many that I can't keep track of them, but it's like I have these kind of these to-dos and I have these, these, um, uh, these rituals that I do in my head, you know? And so I think to myself, you know, uh, what is there that I have to do today? What is there that I have to do this week? Um, and it's like, I tick them off and I'm sure most people do have a to-do list. The difference between somebody who is obsessive and somebody who just is a responsible human being is that I cannot shut my brain off until I go through those things and let them go for the day or say to myself, these things are accomplished. I can, I can wait till tomorrow or say to myself, I haven't done this, but I will do it in X amount of time. And I do that so I can shut myself down. Um, luckily, I don't have problems with sleeping and, and whatnot, or else I'm sure I'd be in a world of trouble. Um, but I'm able to shut myself down so I can rest, you know, and um, that is what obsessive, being obsessive and compulsive looks like. I'm very, very neat. I have um, sort of an extreme, I guess, need for stability. Um, and like I said, many of these things, these things come through in a positive light. I have a very stable family. You know, I, I work hard to have that. Um, but that kind of those habits, those rituals, those lists that, you know, just that extreme need for, for, for stability, I think comes from being obsessive. And, um, uh, you know, I, I hear people who know me relatively well and who maybe know me not so well, who will make, make jokes about, you know, my compulsions. And I realize how obvious it is once you start to get to know me. And I'm okay with that, um, but it is a struggle sometimes. Like I said, today, much more healthy. Uh, years ago, you know, maybe not so healthy. And um, and uh, yeah, so it's it's an interesting journey. <laughs> it absolutely is. I remember when you said it on the last time we spoke about the fun side of like anxiety. And I, and I love that because that vocab, that use of words is so much better and so much more uplifting instantly than saying the dark side of anxiety. Because we also know anxiety has its cool moments as well but myself and you and anyone else struggling with it it would never really go away and I always consider it my shadow so you know it comes out certain days and then hopefully you know most nights it's, it's kind of gone away but it's always there and I just gotta learn to manage it but what was interesting about that was you were saying some stuff there and uh, my wife suffers with anxiety as well and you sounded exactly like her like in terms of the explanations and everything and I felt like as you were saying that, I recognize something else about myself. Again, why I love doing episodes like this. I don't mind not having stability, as weird as that sounds, for an anxious person. Because yes, I'm fearful of the future and I like to have a lot of control over certain things. But I'm also not adverse to risk. Like I don't mind risk, even in like real estate or anything that I do. Like I would just give up a job if I believe I can do something else and maybe that's a bit of self-belief in terms of I always feel that if you work hard enough over a long enough period of time you can achieve pretty much anything in the world so it's 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 weird that that's one of my traits because normally you wouldn't really necessarily put someone who's overly anxious with somebody who's a risk taker but 
this is the complexity of mental health and you know it doesn't just fall under one bracket there are so many facets to it and I almost believe like it's on a spectrum and that spectrum definitely changes by the day so maybe there's probably days where I'm not as you know risky or feeling ready to take on the world so thank you for sharing that I think that's that's really interesting I would be really interested if any listeners jump into their car and check all the windows as well I think that would be really (laughs) really really unique Um, I want to ask you going back again and you mentioned something and it did sound a little bit sad in terms of finding yourself making friendships or valuing those friendships and it's almost like you believe that it's destined to end at some stage a little bit like when you were a child so are you working on maybe changing that narrative in your head? Because I believe, and again, I'm not I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist or anything, that it is just a narrative or maybe like some sort of limited belief that you placed in your head that every friendship will end. Whereas I believe that we can change tomorrow by, by the things that we do today and our thoughts. Um, that's a, gr- a great question. Um, the truth is, is that I do have, I do have friendships in my life and I do have those things that, um, you know, that are healthy. Um, I, I would say, and I'm sure most of my friends would agree that I'm, I'm, I'm certainly a loyal friend. I would do anything, uh, you know, for just about anybody that needs it um, before maybe somebody else would casually. So I'm certainly loyal. I'm certainly um, there. Um, but I would say the maintenance that a friendship takes um, is something that is is lost on my my core, um, uh, as we mentioned, because of some of those early life um, things, you know, early life you know, traumas or whatnot. And, um, so have, I have, I changed that today. I do feel like I've, I've made steps toward uh, bettering that now, um, because I am, uh, as you mentioned, taking risks, it's funny, I'm very anxious and I'm a musician for a living. Um, you know, I teach music. Uh, I work for a church where I play music there. Um, also work for like a marketing agency and that's like another hat, but point being is I have all these different hats because of being a musician, um, I'm self-employed. So the, 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 the workday is you know different than the average. It's not a nine to five, and um, so because of that, and I have my family, you know, creating manufacturing time for other people is very difficult. So I'm a highly scheduled person. You know, I will I will make sure that things are you know uh, I think of things ahead of time as far as I can in order to fit them in. You know, and not only just for the scheduling purpose, but also because of how um, you know how obsessive and 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 compulsive I can be. It's like, I need to know when that's coming in order for my social anxiety to be prepared for that, you know, and uh, those types of things are, are, are difficult. But so I do feel like I've changed that. I do feel like I'm working on that. Um, I don't know if it, if it would ever go back to what it may be for like for you or for somebody who has a healthy, um, you know, a healthy amount of, of friendships. I'm not sure. I'm not even sure if maybe what I have now is not a healthy amount, but I do know that it's different for me. And I know this because my wife is highly social. My wife is, a, I'm very, very introverted. Um, although I, I love these types of, you know, candid conversations. Um, I love, I love the idea of finding audiences who, you know, who need the things that I've, I have to offer. That's very important to me. And this is why I'm here today, of course. Um, so I do agree about taking risk and whatnot, but in terms of being social, my wife has a high value in friendship. You know, she will make, she will help us to make time for my friends and my relationships before I will make time for those things. So luckily I have the partner to, to aid in that. Um, but you know, I, I think the truth of it is, is that there's something deep down inside of me that, and you mentioned it and you're probably right, that I was, I, I it's like, I never got to fulfill those 
early relationships that were very important to me in my formidable years. But I think as an adult, they've kind of gone by in the wayside and, and um, to where I'm just not as reliant on them. And I, I think that's me being honest about it more than, than saying the way it should be. And um, yeah, so it's, it's, it can be difficult, um, but that is what my life you know, tends to look like. <laughs> yeah, thank you for sharing that. So the reason I asked that question is because obviously for the last eight years, I've really entrenched myself into understanding why people do what they do, why we are the way we are. And obviously mental health falls massively under that. And one of the, the biggest findings I found, which was actually backed by science, was yes, exercise, nutrition, and all of that stuff is fantastic for you, mindfulness, meditation. But the quality of your relationships has a massive, massive impact in terms of your overall happiness. Now, I'm very, very fortunate that I've always had very, very close circle of friends. Ever since I was a kid, we've always, you know, I can trust them like my own mom. And I've been very, very grateful for that. And it's got me through so many, so many dark times. So that was one of the reasons I wanted you to at least encourage yourself or try and change that narrative because as you move forward and you've got your wife you've got you've got your daughter which is obviously the probably the most greatest relationship in the world but sometimes it's nice to have those other relationships meaningful relationships I mean people that are there to listen to you struggling even if that's for a whole year or you know the relationships the exact same if you haven't spoken for a few months so that's really important and that's something I encourage other people as well we're in a era now we spoke about this earlier of you know using our mobile phones all the time and most people's relationships are on their mobile phones and that's just not healthy because it, it causes so many factors and i can go into this all day which is obviously an episode for another day so definitely encourage people to try and reach out to people try and have conversations obviously during lockdown now which is obviously where we're at these conversations don't matter as well I feel so uplifted after a conversation like this when I'm able to see the person. Like I can see you. I, I'm connecting with you. I'm understanding your message. For the rest of the day now, it's fantastic. Now, as a natural introvert, there's only so much of this I can do as well. So after two or three conversations, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to talk to nobody else as well. So that's full transparency. But we need it. We all need it, even as introverts as well. So I'm glad, obviously, it's something that you're aware of because I always believe awareness is the first step in order to improve anything. So that's really useful to know. Now, Joshua, I know a lot about you and obviously we can't touch everything in this episode. You've experienced anxiety on a whole new level. You've experienced abandonment as well. And there's a lot of other stuff such as compulsiveness and the way it's changed your life moving forward that we may not be able to dive into. But having gone through what you've gone through and experienced it and kind of come out the other side as well, or at least you're kind of making strides to come out the other side. What's your biggest fear right now? Oh man, um, you know, I would say my my biggest fear is really rooted in fear itself, you know? So that's that's not gonna be uh, the, the right way to go about life, obviously. But my biggest fear is because I've gotten to a place where I, I you know, budget my time in such a way that I, I fully appreciate it. I know what it's like to, to not have time that is my own. I know what it's like to lose things. I've seen people lose things in an instant. Um, and again, not in the cliche, cliche way, in a very real way. Um, because of that, I think my biggest fear is losing time, you know, to have your time cut short, to have my, my wife, my daughter's time cut short in a way that I would have to navigate that, you know. Um, um, but mostly for my own fears, it would be just not having the time to do what I want to to put my mind to. Uh, and, you know, that's that's a big thing for me is making sure that I don't waste my time. I hate to waste time. Um, that doesn't mean downtime and things like that are a waste. Obviously, if you choose it, 
it's not a waste. But if you lose it, it's a waste, you know, and that, that bothers me. Um, so I try my best to, to budget those minutes and to be very intentional about my time. So that's my biggest fear, uh, having my time cut short and not being able to do the things that, you know, I'd like to do um, because I was, if I wasted time, I always tell people, I feel like I've wasted about three years of my adult life <laughs> in different points of it yeah. and uh, not inconsecutively, but I'm, I'm, always, I'm always fighting to regain that and to surpass that. That's my goal. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I think we can all resonate with that message. I love that bit about the choosing it. So if, if you can put in your diary, I now choose the next two hours to sit on my ass and watch Netflix and eat some cookies. That's all, exactly. That's okay because you're actually in control of that time. And I think it's the element of not losing yourself to the time. Like you said, you're choosing to do it. This is the fun part of the show. And this is for the listeners to get to know you a little bit more in terms of your personality and just your choice. But it is very, very okay. random questions, as you can see from my phone here. So for the next... Okay. 60 to 90 seconds. I'm going to put you through your paces. One word or one sentence answers only. Are we ready? Okay. I'm highly anxious about this, but yes. <laughs> you'll be fine. The beautiful thing is if you take your time, I can just cut it out. So it'll look like you've answered instantly. So do not worry. Okay. We're going to go in three, two, one. Okay. What is your favorite hobby? Definitely researching music gear. I know that sounds very nerdy. I love that. That's my favorite thing to do. Your favorite musician? I would have to say the band Coldplay. That's definitely my favorite. The biggest mistake you made last year? Okay, we had just had my daughter. It was about a month in. I slept through having to go into work because I was trying to take a nap because when you have a baby, you don't get to sleep. And it was horrible. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Your proudest achievement? Outside of family and, and the, the obvious things, I think teaching myself how to record and mix music. That was very difficult. Your favorite motivational speaker? I, I would say C.S. Lewis. If you had an extra hour a day, how would you spend it? So considering I budgeted my time, definitely with my wife, because she would definitely be owed that hour if it were extra in my day. <laughs> The best lesson anyone has ever taught you? I had a teacher who once told me that she wasn't going to challenge me anymore because she didn't think I wanted to be challenged. And man, that hurt me at my core because I could tell that she was seeing me not, uh, I guess, apply myself. And from that day on, I did not want to come off as a person who did not want to be challenged. I love that. I love <laughs> so that. that. If you could get the listeners to practice one thing after this episode, what would it be? Oh, man. Outside of uh, intentionality, um, I would say joy. If you could abolish one thing in the world, what would it be? Okay, that one's easy because um, this has been heavy on my heart late, lately. Um, definitely racism. What is your favorite book? I really loved Harry Potter growing up. I think I'm going to say Harry Potter. Love it. What are you secretly good at that nobody knows? Okay, I... Really love to cook a dish called gumbo, which is um, something that's that's native to where I'm from, which is uh, Louisiana uh, in the states. And um, Joshua, what would you like to be remembered for? It's, it's cliche again, as it always, it always may be. I, I really want to leave behind a legacy with with the music that I create, the art that I create, knowing that it would stand the test of time and at least help somebody. That would be personal. Um, but honestly, man, to be truthful, I want to be I want to be known to my daughter as a good father and to my wife as a great husband and father. That would be my goal. I know that's cliche too, but I, I truly mean those things. And finally, what song best describes your life? So I mentioned earlier, I'm a big Coldplay fan. I love Coldplay. I, I think they're one of the most defining factors in what I do stylistically. There's so much depth there that I've enjoyed. And there's a song by Coldplay from their Ghost Stories album uh, called Oceans. Uh, the reason why I, I bring this up is because 
that song is all about, I feel like everything that I stand for and it's the ability to feel sadness uh, and to be okay with feeling sadness and letting it kind of be what it is. And like I, I told you in the beginning, I use songwriting to sort of navigate darkness. The only way to navigate it is to accept that it's um, a reality for yourself. And um, that song is all about that. From the second I heard it, I was like, wow, this is, you know, it, it mentions um, being okay with things like pain, being okay with things like sorrow and ready to tackle those things. And it's so sad, the song. And I love that. And so I would have to say that. Mm, I love that. I love that. <laughs> okay. So we're segueing now ever so closely to the end of the show now. And there's just two more questions, if I may. So the next one is about reflection. And I'm a firm believer that hindsight can teach us many ways that we can get to places quicker, easier, or with less heartache. But at the same time, the journey teaches us so, so much as well. So what I want to know is knowing everything that you know now with all of your experiences and all of your knowledge and all of your wisdom, if you could maybe go back to a younger self and whisper something in your ears, what would you say? You know, I was always, I feel like a smart kid. And what I mean by that is I knew that things weren't permanent. I knew that the, the, those darknesses, those bad things were not going to be forever. I knew that, but my life did not reflect that. I could not see those outs. I was very you know, trapped in that. So I think I'm still that kid. I, I know those feelings, but now I own my life. This is my life. I think uh, I would certainly make sure to tell a younger, my younger self that there will be a future. So not just the hope that I have, the, the, the maybe that there should be or might be, but now that I see that, to tell myself to whisper, as you mentioned, that there definitely will be a future uh, and just, just hang on, you know? Um, I, I think that would be the, the thing and also don't worry so much about what people think about you. <laughs> that, that's a side note, but the one, the first one stands. Um, so de definitely just hang on and, you know, there will be, uh, there will be uh, life after this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great message. And I think the second point was a great message as well in terms of people's opinions or letting that dictate your life. And again, you know, yes. I, I go back to find your voice. The whole premise around it is, I've done stuff very unorthodox in my life. So I did everything to please my parents up until a certain age. As an Asian, I had to get a degree. I went and got a master's. I did a diploma. I went to a grammar school. I did all the stuff that made my parents happy. But was I happy? There was an element of me not being happy. And finding my voice was my own journey of embracing that and being courageous enough to go out there and say, well, actually, you know, I love you guys. And that will never stop. But I need to do this for me. And that's why I encourage anyone listening to this show to do that it takes courage but i promise you your life will be so much better i've had jobs that pay me double the salary of what i'm earning now and i get to wear much fancier clothes and i'm like that wasn't making me happy for some people it might but for me it wasn't so yeah i, th I think that's a really really important message and that does sadly bring us to the last question and the last question is about legacy so if in 150 years time science fails to save us and all that exists is a book and this book is about you. It's about your life. And it's about everything you've accomplished and all of the amazing and wonderful things that you've done and all of the hearts that you've touched. Firstly, what I want to know is what would the title of the book be? And secondly, what would the summary at the back tell us about the life that you lived? Oh man, that is, the, that is such a loaded question. Okay, so, okay, my goals are to help people feel seen, right? That's important to me. So I feel like 
my entire life, I felt just kind of like a lost boy. You know, I, I didn't feel seen. And my goals were to help people feel those things. So I would, I would say that maybe like, like lost boy, lost boy might be a great title. I've always felt that if you've ever seen like Peter Pan, you know, the lost yeah. boys, I've always, I've that. always felt that, you know, and that, that is, that is truly, that is truly my person is that the summary on the back. So like, you know, the little catchphrase, I guess, to help you know, if you want to read the book, um, you may not belong now. Um, but someday you will. I love that. Does that work? That's very powerful. It's your book. It's your book. You gotta you gotta okay. entice people to pick it up. But I think that's really, really powerful. And okay. You said something at the beginning there, and I've just highlighted it and I've I've actually put a love heart next to it because I love it. It's your goal is is to help people be seen. Absolutely love that. Like there's an element of find your voice is to give people a platform to be heard. So <laughs> in, in just a different perspective, we both have the same kind of desire to really try and I don't know, indirectly maybe lift people up and let them know that they're important, that they deserve to be seen, they deserve to be heard, their story matters. So I absolutely love that. Thank you for everything that you've shared in this episode. So I want obviously the audience to follow you now and to have a look at some of the work that you're doing to get to know you a little bit. I know you're over on Instagram now working on your project. But before I give you a chance to give them the links for that, I want to ask you, is there anything you wish maybe I'd asked you today or is there any sort of final messages you maybe want to leave the audience with? Um, to be honest, man, these days I really try hard to be uh, grateful and to show gratitude toward people. Um, so I would actually prefer, I think we've, we've discussed so much and, and so much of what I want to say is here. Uh, I do want people to know that my goals are to help them feel seen. If there's anything that I do that helps them feel that I want that for them. That's why I'm here. Uh, nothing else is is more motivated, you know, than by that. Um, but the being grateful and, and showing gratitude, I honestly want to spend this time just thanking you for what you do because the truth is, is that what you what you said about your goals and you reaching your you know your your hundredth episode recently and and you're having me on this show to to say what I feel like I want to say. In all of these different things, the truth is, is that we're clearly in this for the same reasons. We clearly have the same types of motivations. We just have different skill sets to achieve those things. So, what I want to make sure to do is just to thank you for your time, thank you for your efforts, because um, I know this is a passion project for you as well. Um, and um, I just want people to know that if you spend your time being grateful and trying to live in a state of gratitude, you'll be more likely to recognize your your successes and recognize your traits that can help other people and um so no i I feel like we've we've touched on uh plenty about me and so thank you so much for what you do thank you for giving me this opportunity to to do this and to share this with people and um that's what i'd like to do uh, in that moment thank you thank you thank you and you're very very welcome you're very welcome i've enjoyed both of our conversations and obviously getting to know you as well and i'm always say this and i and i've said it to you even when we never completed the last episode is that this is me now saying thank you is that when somebody comes on my show i see it the opposite way in terms of the fact that you help make this show become what it is you explaining your adversities and you coming over them i just hope that one person that that young girl or that young boy sitting at home listens to this and thinks there is a future for me just how you said 
if you could go back and whisper something or I want to be seen or my voice matters and if we can just encourage that or maybe just spark that mind I think that in itself this hour this two hours or whatever it takes is so so worth it so we both have the same goal and this is why I love connecting with people and this is why I encourage people to be yourself because you get these conversations coming along if I was writing property posts every day I don't think we'd ever have this conversation so I'm very grateful for that as well. So thank you for the kind words, Joshua. What is the best place people can connect with you? Sure. Um, so so this project, uh, I, I named it The Canary Yellow, um, you know, and um, uh, you can find me at uh, thecanaryyellow.carrd.co, C-O. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, I'm streaming on all of the platforms. Uh, you can find me there. Um, but like I said, the canary, like the bird in yellow. Um, and, um, what's the project about? So the, the, the project is a songwriting project uh, that I'm kind of pouring these experiences and these perspectives that I've, I've de, you know, discussed today with you, um, into this to kind of cultivate a way to help people feel seen, to feel heard and anything that they can relate to on an emotional kind of, uh, p- platform. Uh, you know there so that that's what I'm doing with this this songwriting project fantastic sounds amazing I'm looking forward to it myself so obviously I follow you on Instagram but I have a lot more following to do because I didn't know you were across all the platforms what I will do for all of you guys at home is put all of the links in the show notes so please do check out the show notes I spend a lot of time just putting a bit of information in relation to what we've spoken about today there'll be some key timestamps, but more importantly there'll be access to get closer and more of an in-depth look into Joshua's life as well and his incredible project the canary yellow so on that note thank you once again from the other side of the world for taking time to share your story today it's been an absolute pleasure to get to know you more and more and I definitely value this friendship moving forward and for everyone else at home thank you so much for listening and remember this podcast is absolutely free so all we ask in return is for you to share this with a friend and drop us a five-star review over on iTunes have an awesome day